How is everybody this evening? You're all good? Ready for your stellar week now? No excuses. It's a good, time, good sometimes when you get a little bit of confirmation about what you're going to preach on. I mean, sometimes you get a message and the whole service seems to go completely the opposite direction, but you know God's giving you the message, so you give it anyway, and you see what happens. So uh, that, not the last song we just sung, but the last song, um, that the chorus or the bridge or whatever it's called, which says, Let faith rise up, O heart, believe, let faith rise up in me. I got a little bit excited because my, uh, the title of my message this evening is Don't Let Your Experience Determine Your Theology. Don't Let Your Experience Determine Your Theology. We'll get to that little chorus again later. A couple of years ago we had um, Phalene Sparks here. and I, most, I'm looking around. Most of you may know who Phalene Sparks is. For those who don't, she's a... Uh, you call her a prophet, do you, James? Or She works in the giving amazing words and things. And she uh, spoke to Sandy and I, one of the older calls, and it was sort of like that we would have... Uh, um, we would pray for people and they would be healed. Well, that's pretty exciting. I like that. A couple of years later, the score is, I think, zero. So there you go. How's that? That's all right. Oh, well, Sandy's obviously had some. Uh, had some. Maybe it was for her, not me. Maybe I mistook. <laughs> but... Um, So sometimes that causes me a little bit reluctance to pray for people when they say they're sick or they're not well or something because, well, I've been doing it for four years and nothing's really happening, God. And, uh, but I do anyway. See, it may not be working at the moment, but that doesn't change God's word about praying for people, does it? I believe I've been reading a book so I believe I'm in very good company with people who have been told they may um, pray for people and they will recover, they will, they will um, be healed. Uh, a guy called um, I'll just look, uh, Randy Clark, I don't know whether you know him or know his name, has an um, amazing ministry, healing ministry, and uh, he went for a long time praying for people and seeing no results. And so he's probably... We're starting to think, have I got the right um, calling here? What's going on? Because see, Mark 16, 17 and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. Who believes tonight? Yeah, I'm a believer. You're a believer if you've got your hand up. Maybe you're even a believer without putting your hand up. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not they might recover, could be, possibly. It says they will. And I don't think there's any real tricky translation from the Greek to the English on that one. It's pretty well spot on. Early in the week, this thought came to me. Now we're going into dangerous territory. Just because it didn't work doesn't mean it isn't working. 
I'll say that again. Just because it didn't work doesn't mean it isn't working. In other words, just because I've prayed for a sandy cog, so he'd fall off his bike or something. No, 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 no. It didn't work, see? Ah, but it could. Just because I've prayed for Jeff yesterday and whatever we prayed for hasn't happened doesn't mean it didn't work. Because we don't know what God's doing in the background, do we? Well, I don't. Some of you might be more spiritual, or maybe that you do, but I don't know what God's doing in the background. So on the, on the, the I guess the, what we see then in the natural, we're going, oh, well, that prayer didn't work. Jeff, sorry, mate, you better go and meet Pastor James. He's a senior pastor. He's closer to God than me, so he'd probably be able to get your prayers answered. No. It might not have worked, but it's still working. God's still working in the background. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great and awesome love towards each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you guide and direct us this evening as your word goes forth. I pray that we will be open to your word. And I thank you, Father God, that you'll be true to your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel has a vision. And a man appears before him. And there's a description of this man before him. Many believe it's Christ. Uh, some theologians don't, but that, we won't go there tonight. And so... Uh, He's been praying and this, this vision appears and there's others with him, but they don't see the vision, only Daniel sees it. And in uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 10, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. That's nice to hear, isn't it, when you're trembling? Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your word was heard. He'd been praying for 21 days. I guess to some of us that's not a real long time, but I guess in his situation it might have felt a long time. From the moment you set your heart to understand and you humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have, become, I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we see, we don't always see, we don't often, we rarely see what's happening in the spiritual world. I assuming from what I read there that Daniel wasn't aware of what was going on in the heavenlies because the man who appeared before him 
explained it to him. And neither are we. We simply don't know what God is doing in the spiritual realm. But what I do know is our lack of understanding, our lack of seeing into the spiritual realm, our thinking we've missed what God has said or we think we've failed because we think we should be, uh, should be or should have, something should have happened, that doesn't change God's word about our situation or our circumstances. Daniel continued to pray for 21 days until this, the man and the vision appeared to him. He could have sat back after his first day and went, well, that prayer didn't work. Therefore, due to my experience, uh, I guess God no longer answers prayers. Couldn't he? Easily. I just shot up a prayer. God didn't answer it, so obviously God doesn't answer prayer anymore. He could have done that, but no, he continued on. As I said, I'm not really aware of anyone that I've prayed for that has been miraculously and instantly healed. If you like to put your hand up, I'd be very encouraged. <laughs> yeah, I should have paid someone, shouldn't I? Therefore, due to my experience, I could easily say that God doesn't heal anymore. That was for back in the old days, the Bible times, and many people believe that. No. No, 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 no. Got nothing to do with my experience. It's to do with what God says. See, that's letting my experience determine my theology, which in turn makes my theology different to the Bible, which in turn makes my theology wrong. Theology is the science of God or religion, the science which treats of the existence, character and the attributes of God, his laws and government the doctrines we believe and the duties we are to practice, the science of Christian faith and life. In other words, learning about God and applying it to our lives. That's all. Theology is learning about God in the basics. In 2003... Um, um, myself and uh, Michael, my son, and Michelle's dad, Alf, we went to the, one of the uh, Rugby World Cup games in Brisbane. We went to see South Africa play Samoa. And uh, we were hoping for a good game because Samoa had nearly beaten England the week before. But obviously they'd taken all their effort to do that because they got soundly flogged. But that's okay. It was a good experience. So we got to the football and there was Michael was sitting in that seat, then Alf, then me, and then there were two younger ladies probably in their you know, late 20, 30-ish sort of group. So that's on the, end of the, on the end of the row of seats next to us. And we had, from what I could observe, we had five different experiences which I think would probably cover all the ex everyone who's at that game they would fall into one of these experiences. We had Michael, who was like a TV replay, 
or video of the game. He would, after the game, oh, what about when, you know, such and such, oh, yeah, sort of. And what about when you could ask him and he'd be able to tell you what, who they did and when they kicked it and, all, and he just had it all up, up here. We had Alf working out the statistics. <laughs> For those who know Alf, <laughs> you'd appreciate that. And he's working out before the games, you know, okay, how many, how, many, uh, how many points should we give you know, South Africa head start? And I'm going, oh, I don't know, Alf, you know, five or six. And he's been looking at the scores during, or, you know, the previous scores and how they've been going in the form of both teams and all this sort of stuff. And so he's working out all this statistical stuff. And then there was me. I just enjoyed the whole experience. I remember two things. One was one stage in the game, they were on the left-hand side um, line, what do you, touch line, isn't it, Andrew? Touch line, whatever you call it. They were having one of those rucks where they jump on top of each other. The Samoan guy got the ball out and he went, and there's supposed to be a nice line of players out that way. And he went... <laughs> Because there was nobody there. They were all down behind him. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was one of my memories. The other one was at the end of the game, the players got in a circle from both teams and prayed together. But for me, as I said, just the whole experience of being at a World Cup, being at the Lang Park with all the crowd and all the atmosphere and everything, that was good enough for me. And the young lady next to me, I think she just, I think her, the other lady might have just wanted someone to go to the football with and she, I don't think she had any idea what she was watching because she was constantly asking this other girl, you know, what are they doing now and she, so she was just sort of there. And then the other lady, she was a passionate, very passionate and from what I could figure reasonably knowledgeable rugby fan. The little instance on the sideline when they had to pass out, she was standing up, yelling and pointing, giving directions to the Samoan players of where they should be. She was going off at them. Like we were the last set of chairs, I think, so what hope did they have a hearing? But she was into it. So she was just you know, into the whole thing, the whole game, and she knew what was going on. Five different experiences the same game, but they didn't change the rules of the game to meet each experience. Because if, if you know anything about, the first thing you know about rugby union is they have some unusual rules and very, what do you call them, technical rules. Like, you know, at one stage of the game you can stand like that and then five minutes later you can't do that, you get penalised. Okay, fine. So... Imagine if they changed the rules to meet the young lady who knew nothing about the game. Oh, okay, we'll throw it around, kick the ball. No, they just can't. They don't change the game to, to accommodate each of our experiences. In the same way, I cannot let my Christian faith experiences determine my theology. I can't change God's theology because of my experience. Matthew four twenty three and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, 
and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Was that all or some? All kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought him to all brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he, that's Jesus, then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Gee, they had people offended back in those days as well, not only now. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country, among his own relatives in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people. Notice the difference? A few sick people, not all. And healed them. He marvelled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. That was in his hometown of Nazareth. Just imagine, and God forbid if he did, if that day after having a bit of a flop, you know, he's gone out to do an evangelistic meeting and nobody got saved and he only healed two people. Imagine if Jesus had a thought, well, that didn't go real well, did it? Obviously the Father doesn't want me to do this anymore because it didn't work. He had a reputation. We just read it in Matthew 4. He was going everywhere, healing everybody, all sorts of things. He had a rep- reputation to upkeep. And here in his hometown, he blew it. Not good. He failed. No, of course he didn't. But we can be guilty of that, can't we? It didn't work, so it can't be right. I didn't hear right. Maybe that wasn't God after all. But we have two choices to make. What's the point? God's not with me. He's not in this. Allowing our experience to change our theology. Hebrews 3, 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, I'm pretty sure that's God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that cancels out not the point he's not, he, what's the point he's not with me, doesn't it? Yeah. He will never leave you or forsake you. But what we can do is stick with God's word and keep going. Allowing God's theology to change our experience. Hebrews 3.6 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
life experiences can lead us to the following theology. And I think all the scriptures will be up there, but we'll, we'll start at the bottom and work backwards, okay? I decided to do that during worship, so Dorothy didn't realise. A bit late. That's okay. We'll start at John 14, 12. God doesn't heal anymore. I've been praying for people and I haven't seen any heals, so obviously God doesn't heal anymore. As I said earlier, that was back for Bible days. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. What a great promise from Jesus. He went around healing thing, people everywhere, setting people free everywhere. He said, I can do greater than that because he goes to the Father. What a wonderful promise. How's your theology? Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God doesn't heal anymore. Years ago in Orange, I um, was working as a soft drink delivery driver and one day I picked up you know, the trolley things you use to put boxes on and I picked it up and went whoosh onto the back of the truck. <coughs> no, that didn't happen. And the only way I can describe it is it felt like the flesh came off my backbone and it was sore. And so I kept going and finished the rest of the week that night, I think it was that night at church, I went out the front and one of the pastors prayed for me and, yeah, okay, that was good. I've still got a horrible sore back. And at the same time, I had a, an elbow that used to wake me up in the night in pain. It was that sore, I couldn't sleep. And so, as I said, I was prayed for and it wasn't until, I'm a bit slow, it wasn't until about Thursday of that week I realised my back was feeling great and I'd slept all week. I hadn't had a problem with my elbow. So our pastor could, you know, went away and went, oh, well, that, he didn't get healed. So God doesn't heal anymore. We don't know what he's doing in the background. So we'll go, so we can follow from that that he doesn't heal. So I guess he doesn't answer prayer either, does he? Because we prayed for healing and it didn't happen. He... John 14, uh, 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That is the main thing of our prayers, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's fairly clear, isn't it? I sometimes wonder whether our prayers are... Maybe James, could, James 4 could answer that. We'll put some light on that. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There's something to think about, isn't it? We won't go any further into that tonight. We haven't got time. I'll let James explain that one because after all, it's his name on it. <laughs> God does answer prayer. Maybe the reason he doesn't answer prayers is because I'm too bad and God can never forgive me. I've been met a couple of times with a guy this week 
And that's what he's spoken out of his mouth. What I did, God could never forgive. I've been trying to put him straight. But that's a load of nonsense. A lie from the pit of hell. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might re- he might redeem us from every lawless deed. How many? Every. Is that the same as all? Does that mean you're not too bad? Very good. He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Pastor James said this morning in his sermon that God will never reject us. He might reject, as the, the, talking about Cain and Abel, uh, Cain, wasn't it? Rejected Cain's offering, but he didn't reject Cain. God is still the same. He will never reject us. Have we done three yet? We're going backwards. So, so all that can then come to the first bit or the last bit. Well, God doesn't love me. He hasn't healed me, doesn't answer my prayers. Obviously, what I've done is too bad. So God doesn't love me. Well, it's a funny thing in John thirteen sixteen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's pretty definite, isn't it? Yeah. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. If the cross doesn't show you how much God loves you well I don't know what will. Nothing. We can't go past the cross as a picture of God's love. Hebrews 13, 8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. As the young optimistic manager of the rundown best exotic Marigold Hotel in India once said, We've heard it before. It will all be good in the end. And if it isn't good, it's not the end. When I heard that on that movie, oh, what a great statement. But I think I've realised it's only a Hollywood version of Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. We must understand that God works on his timetable, not ours. That he always works out what is best for us for our particular situation. Our job then is to persevere in our faith in God, always trusting him in what we ask of him. Has your theology changed because your experience hasn't been the same as God said it would be? We've prayed, we've fasted, we've read all the books in Kurong about how to gain a victory. 
Yet nothing, nothing has changed. Can I have the music team to come back up, please? I mentioned uh, Pastor Randy Clark earlier. I've been reading his book, Power to Heal. And uh, in, in the book he's sharing where he was preaching one night and this is when he was sort of starting out and he wasn't really getting, seeing too much, too many people healed, one you know, here and there. And he was preaching and the scripture talked about um, healing and raising the dead. And as he got to read that part of the scripture, he sort of, sort of went down healing and raising the dead. And he's thinking to himself, fair dinkum God, I'm having trouble with the healing part, let alone raising the dead. And God challenged him on his thinking. And God said this, Don't you dare lower my word to the level of your experience. Don't you be an experience-based preacher. Do not create a theology based on your experience of not seeing the dead raised or people healed. Preach my word and let people's experience rise to it. We must not drag God's word down to our experience. Our experience must rise to God's word. Amen. I think it was the first year that Dion Hockey came to, came to our church here and there was a, a I remember distinctly this a man who had, um, he had an industrial accident here in Gladstone and I think he'd be, he hadn't been able to work for 10 years or something I think it was. He was on medication for his, I think it was his back that was hurt, he was pain, he could hardly do anything. And uh, I can imagine in those 10 years... I wonder how many times people had prayed for him. I'd say a fair few. And yet one night he stood out the front here in this church. Dion Hockey just prayed his normal prayer that he prays over people for healing and he was miraculously and instantly healed. I heard some time later when the, he had a job over at the island when all the stuff was going well and he, as far as I know he, he hasn't looked back. He's possibly struggled with all those things. Does God still heal? Have I done something wrong that God can't forgive me? Do my prayers not get answered? Does God really love me? Don't let your experience determine your theology. Again with God's timing. I think it was last time Dion was here, he asked for people who had sore back, and I had a sore back at the time. And some of you here might have been there. I think we he had me on a chair up on that part there and uh, prayed for me and my legs were out of line or something and I didn't really see it, I was sort of watching everyone around me because something obviously happened. Because of the looks on the young people, their eyes were like basketballs, seeing this happen. And uh, so I got, there was others he prayed for, did the same, same type of thing. 
And at the end of the, when he finished praying, he said, oh, can you know, anyone testify about you know, you know, being healed? Uh, no. <laughs> I couldn't because my back or whatever it was I had was still sore. I could have let that affect my theology. Again, like years previous, and a couple of days later, I realised my back was fine. Just because I should have, I should know it, shouldn't I? Where did I put it? Just because it didn't work doesn't mean it isn't working. God is at work in us. Maybe tonight that's been your experience. You've come out umpteen dozen times because you've got something wrong and you've never even had the slightest bit of um, improvement in your whatever it is you're, you're, you want healing of. But who knows whether tonight could be the night that God has done all the stuff in the spiritual realm and tonight is your night. Maybe like me, you've had a word that says you're going to do something. God is going to use you in a certain way. And that could have been years ago. And you're thinking, well, obviously I didn't hear God right or God has abandoned me or God doesn't want me to do that. I'd love to pray for you tonight as well. Is that the tune to that song with those that chorus? <laughs> Let faith rise up. I think I said that bit, didn't I? Yeah. We must not drag God's word down to our experience. Our experience must rise to God's word. So as we sing that song, I'd like to give you an opportunity to exercise that tonight. And if you would like prayer for whatever reason, please come out the front and Pastor James and myself and some of the other rest of the team would be love to pray for you. Thanks, Kate.
peace be still. You are here, so it is well. Even when my heart's been Let faith rise up, oh heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, oh heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O oh heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O oh heart, believe. Let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, O oh heart, believe. You are here, so many. 